Student loans have been forgiven again. The Biden administration recently announced plans to forgive student debt for 800,000 Americans. Some are rejoicing, others skeptical. Will it hold up if it gets appealed? That's the $39 billion question. Weeks after the Supreme Court struck down an ambitious loan forgiveness plan, the Biden administration has brought a more modest proposal to the table. They're seeking to forgive up to $39 billion in student debt for borrowers that are under an income-based repayment plan. Some borrowers are cautiously optimistic. Others believe higher courts will reject this plan using the Supreme Court's earlier ruling. I'm not telling you how to think about student loan forgiveness, but it's worth mentioning how high this debt is. It seems insurmountable, but a greater debt has been paid. The wages of sin. That has been paid and is considered forgiven by faith in Jesus. No one can strike that forgiveness plan down. Welcome to Haven Today here on Tuesday. I'm Charles Morris in the middle of summer, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week called Then Sings My Soul. Are there songs in your life that have been particularly meaningful to you? Perhaps hearing the opening notes brings you back to your youth or to a moment that you shared with someone you loved. If you listen to our program for any amount of time, you know I enjoy high church music, especially at Christmas. As I listen to a pipe organ play with a large choir singing, I'm moved. And even in my car, I can picture myself in some of the big cathedrals I've visited in Europe. enjoyed that short snippet of the hymn, Holy, 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 by the Londonderry Choir. For a second there, I could picture myself in Northern Ireland singing with the choir. That speaks to the power of music. It can transport us to a different place in our heads and in our hearts. Music can be all the more powerful when it's combined with words that speak to our lives as well. Few people know that better than Robert Morgan who's written several books reflecting on the great songs of the Christian faith. These are songs and hymns that have been sung across the centuries, in steeples, to underground house churches. I spoke with Rob about this subject yesterday, and I'd like us to hear from Rob about the power of Christian hymns. Most of more modern music we sing for a few months and then it's gone. But the great classic hymns, We sing when we're five years old, when we're 10, when we're 20, when we're 30, when we're 40, when we're 50. And by the time we get to be an old age, we have internalized those songs. We are worshipers from the inside out because we know the words to hymns that we can sing at a a moment's notice when we go for a walk or when we're troubled or when we wake up in the morning. And the stories behind some of these hymns are just gripping stories. They are 
sweet, they are tender, they are sometimes heartbreaking, they are sometimes uplifting, but I found them very fascinating. And when you combine the stories with the hymns, then you have got just a very powerful resource of encouragement. So when I wrote Thin Sings My Soul, I, I don't know, Charles, it just took off. It's, it's like people wanted to preserve the memory of the hymns and how they came to be written. Robert Morgan, a Nashville pastor and author of Then Sings My Soul, a book reflecting on 150 classic hymns of the faith. This special book shares the stories behind these songs that many of us know and love and have sung. We sing many of these hymns at churches today or in our homes throughout the week, but we often sing them without knowing and appreciating the context from which they came. There's certainly nothing wrong with that, but if we take a little time to listen to the stories behind these hymns and those who wrote them, we could walk away with a key insight we didn't know before. It could help us sing with a new sense of appreciation for our Lord and those whom he has used to write these songs of praise. Rob Morgan will be back with me in a moment to share about one of these special hymns, Holy, Holy, Holy. We just heard an excerpt from this song that we'll be thinking about today. And then after the program, for your gift to this listener-supported ministry, I'd like to send you Rob's book called Then Sings My Soul. I so appreciate how this book is laid out, with the sheet music and lyrics on one side, and a devotion with the history on the other. Come visit our website after the program and take a look at the book. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Now let's open with our hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Though performed by a contemporary group, the Newsboys, you'll find it stays true to the music and the lyrics. Holy, holy.
It's from an album they did called Hallelujah for the Cross, the Newsboys. And as I said earlier, when we began our time together, we're reflecting on the hymn that we just heard, Holy, 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 on this haven today called Then Sings My Soul. I'm Charles Morris. The lyrics are over the top. They're biblical lyrics. The tune is triumphant. And it's no surprise that this hymn has been translated into so many languages. Many of us probably assume that the hymn is old. But how old is it? And who wrote it? Well, my friend Rob Morgan took some time to clue us into the story behind the hymn and its hymn writer, Reginald Heber. Reginald Heber was born April the 21st, 1783, to a minister and his wife in an English village. After a very happy childhood and a good education in the village school, he enrolled at Oxford and excelled in poetry and became fast friends with Sir Walter Scott. After graduation, he succeeded his father as vicar in the family's parish, and for 16 years, he faithfully served as the local pastor. He had a bent towards poetry, and that gave him a growing interest in hymnody. He wanted to lift the literary quality of hymns, and he dreamed of publishing a collection of high-caliber hymns corresponding to the church year. But the Bishop of London wouldn't go along with it, and Reginald Heber's plans were disappointed. He continued writing hymns for his own church, however, and it was during the 16 years in this obscure pastorate that Heber wrote all 57 of his known hymns, including a great missionary hymn from Greenland's Icy Mountain, which exhorted missionaries to take the Gospels to faraway places like Greenland's Icy Mountains and India's Coral Strand. This hymn represented an earnest desire for Reginald, for he felt God was calling him to be a missionary to India's Coral Strand. In 1822, at the age of 40, he was appointed to oversee the Church of England's ministries in India. Arriving in Calcutta, he set out on a 16-month tour of his diocese, visiting missionary stations across India. In February of 1826, he left for another tour. But while on this tour in a particular village, he preached to a large crowd in the hot sun and afterward plunged into a pool of cool water, and suffered a stroke and drowned. It was after his death that his wife found all 57 of his hymns in a trunk, and she had them published. And this hymn was the great Trinitarian hymn based on Revelation chapter 4, and it said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Oh. 
This is Haven Today, and that was the Collingsworth family singing the traditional rendition of Holy, Holy, Holy. And just before that, we heard Rob Morgan, author of Then Sings My Soul, sharing some of the history of the hymn and the writer of the hymn, Reginald Heber. Now, think about this. Three words in a roll. Holy, holy, holy. Several years ago, the late R.C. Sproul remarked that when Scripture describes God with three words, it's always speaking of His holiness. We don't read in the Bible, good, 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 or loving, 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 though God is certainly good, and He certainly is loving. But Scripture declares that God is holy in triplicate. How should we respond to this? I think it would be helpful to look at one of the key passages that includes three holies together. It's Isaiah 6. In this chapter, we read of Isaiah's call as a prophet, but it begins with an ominous word in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was all in all a good king. He honored the Lord throughout his reign, and the Lord blessed Judah greatly. But then near the end of his life, Uzziah became filled with pride. The Lord struck him with leprosy, and he was kicked out of his palace. This shift in power can lead to chaos among the people. Think about nations who've gone through sudden deaths of their leaders. There may be rival groups fighting to take the seat of power. There might be some uncertainty among the people as to who is ruling over them. Perhaps Isaiah felt some of this tension. But any uncertainty concerning Israel's ruler, quickly faded away. The first verse continues, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And though Isaiah's human king had died, their true king remained on the throne. In the midst of the chaos of life, the highs and lows that we go through, we can be confident that the Lord continues to be high and exalted, seated on his throne. Now, this should comfort us. It should comfort us greatly. Isaiah looks out. He has a heavenly vision. He sees the seraphim crying out in verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Here we find the first few words of the hymn written by Reginald Heber. Isaiah was looking out, and he saw God's glory, and he was reminded that God was the king of Israel, ruling over all. But what happened next might be a bit surprising, especially in our increasingly secularizing culture. Isaiah said that he was ruined. It's sad to say, but nowadays the word holy is often used with profane words or even foods. Our culture has a very poor sense of what the word holy means. But Isaiah didn't. He saw God's holiness on display. And he heard his holiness being proclaimed. And he remembered that he was a sinner. God being holy means that he is separate from all that is impure. And is a sinner. And is currently standing before God's holy presence. Isaiah expected judgment. Isaiah believed he had met his end. And in the hymn, Holy, 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 we sing a powerful line. Though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. 
Only thou art holy, merciful, and mighty. The Lord is not done with Isaiah yet. Praise God. God is merciful. God is mighty. Now, the Lord knew of Isaiah's sinfulness, so what did he do? In verse 6, we read that a seraphim took an incredibly hot burning coal and placed it on Isaiah's tongue to symbolize forgiveness. See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Having forgiven Isaiah and purified him with that coal, Isaiah was then sent out by the Lord to proclaim a message of judgment, but also a message of hope for the people of Israel. Our holy, holy, holy God does the very same thing for us. He forgives us in Christ Jesus. We're set free from the guilt and the power of sin. And now he calls us to share the message of the gospel, that salvation found in Jesus Christ. Praise God that he is holy, 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 and yet merciful to sinners like you and me. Now that gives us motivation to sing. Don't you agree? Saints adore 
God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. This is Haven Today in a program called Then Sings My Soul. That was the Norton Hall Band and their version of Holy, Holy, Holy. I'm thankful we were able to spend more time with Pastor Robert Morgan on the program today. And as you heard him share earlier, hymns are a meaningful and vital way to worship. The lyrics are rooted in God's Word, and the melodies can help them stick in our brains. And as you read through Rob's book called Then Sings My Soul, you'll not only discover or maybe even rediscover the great hymns of your faith, you'll also learn the backstories behind the songs and the songwriters. When you hear how God stirred their hearts and used their unique situations, some good, some bad, you'll be reminded about God's goodness and grace as you sing along. Then Sings My Soul includes 150 hymns and was designed to be read as a devotional. And a feature I really like is that it also includes the sheet music and lyrics so that you can sing along. This special book will minister to your soul. It will add depth in your worship of God through song. So come visit our website right now. Take a look at Then Sings My Soul by Robert Morgan, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN. One more time, that's 800-65-HAVEN. And don't forget, if you wanted to get the epic documentary called In the Footsteps of Paul, but just haven't asked for it yet, we still have that two-part DVD for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? As again together, we share the great story and sing together because it's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Here in the West, we often forget the meaning behind some of the most famous phrases found in the Bible. It's how we get pastors saying to bear your cross, but talking about waiting in a long line or the grocery store, not having your favorite soda. That's not bearing the cross. The cross, even though it is a celebrated Christian sign, is a horror. It meant death. When Jesus said, anyone who doesn't take up his cross and follow me isn't worthy of me, he wasn't talking about a willingness to be inconvenienced. He was saying we need to die to ourselves. The old person is dead. The new has been raised with Christ. Die to self. Live to Christ. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.